Electric Power recognizes local businesses, organizations, and individuals that partner with them to preserve the environment and to promote sustainability. These are forward-thinking partners who are creative and effective in their approaches to promoting greater sustainability in the Tucson community. We are spotlighting those community partners in this special podcast series, and today we're celebrating Partners in Sustainability 2020 Spotlight Episode Number 2, and we're welcoming Luke Cole, who is the Associate Director, Sonoran Institute. And Luke, welcome. I'm really glad you're here, and we made it happen. And every once in a while, I like to elaborate on the background and experience of a guest because I think it makes you have instant credibility. So you have instant cred, all my guests do, but sometimes when I'm listening to podcasts, a long intro, I'm doing like, okay, okay, okay. But in this case, I think your background speaks volumes about what you're doing and why you're the person to be doing it. So just allow me to just say a little bit more about you if that's okay with you. Please, by all means. Okay. Luke became the Associate Director for Resilient Communities and Watersheds upon joining the Sonoran Institute in 2018. Luke manages the ongoing projects of the Santa Cruz River, working with staff and collaborators to restore and enhance this living river in the heart of Southern Arizona and Northern Sonora. Prior to joining the Sonoran Institute, Luke worked for the Washington, D.C. city government tracking the district green infrastructure and water quality improvement programs with a focus on coordinating tree planting programs and policy. Luke has a Ph.D. in environmental sciences from the University of Virginia, an M.S. in oceanography from the University of Rhode Island, and a B.A. in biology from St. Mary's College of Maryland. So that's all a big wow for me because of my love for and hope for the Santa Cruz River. It's just really and truly one of those things that gets me. So thanks for being here. Thanks for all your um, cred, instant cred. And tell us about the Sonoran Institute. What is it? Uh, it's a nonprofit uh, local conservation organization. Um, like I said, we're headquartered here in Tucson. And our broader mission uh, is to connect people and communities with the natural resources that nourish and sustain them. <clears throat> so we have three programs. Uh, we have the Santa Cruz River program that you've mentioned. That's the one that I head up. Uh, and we have two other programs. One works in the Colorado River Delta. And the other one is called Growing Water Smart, which is a uh, program that works with municipalities who are growing, as most are, uh, to make sure that the water that they're using, uh, they use it smart from the start. So we have those three programs and a pretty wide footprint, but very narrow focus within each of those programs. And it's really interesting to me as one who used to travel in the before times, and I think there'll be the after times, Mm -hmm. in the environmental climate science conference space, It is such a well-known and well-respected institute outside of the boundaries of Arizona. I mean, your work is really looked at and it's, it's quite impressive because sometimes when I do go to conferences or did, people would say, isn't that where the Sonoran Institute is? And so kudos for that work and that recognition. So why does it matter? Why are you choosing the Santa Cruz River to work on? What's the magic there? Yeah, I mean, for folks who don't know, I mean, the Santa Cruz, it's the foundation of this region's natural and cultural heritage. It's it's our lifeblood and the reason why uh, we can call Tucson home. 
Um, it's a critically important habitat. Uh, you know, 80% of wildlife uses riparian or river areas uh, during their lifetime. And southern Arizonans know that the flowing sections of this river are really beautiful and are really important. They provide a great amenity. So we have things like the loop up here in, uh, in Pima County in Tucson, right? We have the Mercado District, which is right there by the river downtown. Um, and there are birding sites. I mean, this is a birding hotspot, uh, especially as you get down closer to the border, down by Tubac, Tumacocri. Uh, you know, it's, it's obvious. There's, there's just a lot of potential and a lot of activity uh, around this river as it gets healthier, as it gets more resilient, and as it impacts our lives. And, you know, you and I spoke a little bit about our friend, our mutual friend, Joaquin Morieta Salvidar, and I hope I pronounced his name right and did it justice, but he's done presentations for me for different groups, and he paints such a beautiful, lovely, enriching picture in his visualization of what it would be like if there was water in lots more parts of the Santa Cruz. Yeah, and you said yeah. something in your in your um, description of the parts where it flows. And for those people that listen to this from around the country, you know, if you, if I took you to the Santa Cruz River at certain parts, you would look at me and say, what? <laughs> it, doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't exactly look like a river, but where it does flow, there is such beauty and wildlife. And like you said, the flora and the fauna and the birds, yep. it's such a vital part. So I'm curious about what are you doing with TEP and what's their role? And I work very closely with them, and I like it when I ask a question that I have no idea what the answer is. <laughs> <laughs> well, TEP has been a great partner to Sonoran Institute, um, and in particular to the Santa Cruz River Program, and, and we thank them for that. Um, the funding that they have provided in recent years has gone to a number of things, most recently, um, we held Santa Cruz River Research Days. Uh, they were a sponsor of that. And that was our opportunity to bring together, uh, and for the first time, I should note, in a bilingual um, fashion with real-time language translation, wow. um, people who do research either on the Santa Cruz River or who do research that's compatible with the Santa Cruz River. So bringing in folks from outside of the Santa Cruz River watershed, but whose work aligns with what we do and can be a good case study and a good example that we can aspire to. So that was a great project uh, that we love to do, look forward to doing it again uh, in 2022 and years beyond. Uh, additionally, TEP is a sponsor of our Living River Reporting Series. Uh, they have funded our Nogales uh, Reach Living River Report, which looks at the southern and upstream part of the Santa Cruz River. Uh, that's the stretch that comes uh, from the wastewater treatment plant down in Rio Rico, and it flows northward to around Tubac, maybe a little bit north of there. So that's a good that's a good sixteen miles, and ideally more uh, when it rains, which I hear is something that happens here sometimes. <laughs> Oh, glad you said that. I'm like, rain? Rain? What is this of which you speak? <laughs> rain? Okay. But these reports are great. They're, they're reports that we like to put out annually. And with TEP support, we've been able to do this Nogales report annually again. Um, these have a pretty wide footprint. Uh, we mail them to over 700 households in the southern part of um, the watershed, which is, you know, from about Green Valley southward into uh, Sonora. And these reports are, you know, they're based on data. They're based on 
fish surveys that we go out and we do with our partners where we can collect and identify and understand what the conditions are of the fish communities uh, in the Santa Cruz River. Um, we've been able to see that the Gila top minnow, which is a very, very pollution-sensitive fish native to this area, is making a comeback. Wow. Uh, and we hadn't, we hadn't wow. seen them in the river since 2015. And now we see them year after year when we go out and we do our fish sampling. So all of these endeavors are things that Sonoran Institute loves to do and report on and uh, are able to do so to a greater extent uh, as a result of the support that we get from TEP. You know, they're they're just good partners, and I understand that they're a sponsor of Mrs. Green's World, and what I say to people is, you know, we can't be bought, my passion isn't for sale, and I am so impressed over and over and over again about what great community partners they are and how they're leading the charge to, they're being much more aggressive in their, you know, their goals for renewables, their EV charging infrastructure is is on the fast track. So they they are, to me, a very responsible <laughs> electric utility company. I, yeah. I continue to be impressed, and they support the Tucson Wildlife Center. So I guess I want to ask you, Luke, mm-hmm. do you have favorite spots along the river? Because my husband and my daughter and I, we go out not from now till September, <laughs> but we love to go down around the Madera Canyon area, Great. all around Patagonia, Sonoida, all of those areas, Rio Rico, um, yep. beautiful places there, two back. What do you love? You're saying what all are, my places. Where, yeah, what are some, <laughs> I don't want to steal your thunder, but they're beautiful places to visit. One of the main reasons is because of the birds. I mean, there are lots of birds in our region. Patagonia at the Nature Conservancy, mm-hmm. we've seen amazing, amazing birds there. So what's your favorite as someone that's had a lot of experience in this arena of watching nature? Let me, let me. I'll, I'll sort of uh, piggyback on your question by making sort of a broad, a broad statement that I've, I've sort of picked up through my scientific career. You noted that all of those sites that you went to are beautiful, right? They are. And that's something that I've seen time and time again is, is a rule that beautiful places, I won't even say tend to have, beautiful places have some significant scientific merit, um, whether it's as a result of the birds that are there, whether it's a result of the vegetation that the river allows to grow, that's something that is universal. And I, I would I would challenge and put it to the to the listeners to think of a place in nature that you find to be particularly beautiful. And the next time you go there, or if you think back on it and look on pictures, look at what you're seeing there. It's going to be unique for some reason. It's going to absolutely have some scientific merit to it. Um, So consider those beautiful places as a driver um, when you're along the Santa Cruz River or anywhere uh, to to take stock of what the scientific merit is of that site. Now, to to answer your question for me, where do I love? Um, Walking along the Dianza Trail, particularly down around Tumacacri National Historical Park. Okay. uh, It's just... It's a it's a big wild river, you know. It's a it's a steady moving, um, beautiful. You know, it sounds great. There are great big, tall cottonwood and willow trees and hackberry trees. All of these trees that are native to this area and have these massive canopies that you just don't see even when you go a half a mile away from the river. Right. Um, right. And they have. You know, the the Santa Cruz, it's a highway for um, 
migrating species, monarch, butterflies, plenty of other butterflies, uh, bird species. You know, we see these subtropical and tropical species from time to time that appear in the Santa Cruz River, or at least in the canopy over it. Um, and none of that could happen. None of that could happen if the Santa Cruz River didn't have water in it. Right. And, right. and that's, what, that's what Sonoran Institute and certainly our partners in the community work to do is to ensure that that water that's in the river stays there and ideally get more water put into the river so that we can see more flowing Santa Cruz River. So the next time you take people to see the river and they say, this is the river because it's just a big, <laughs> a big sandbox, that there might be some river, there might be some water in it, or they may have recently been some water in it. So enough that right. you're able to see some trees coming up. We've got some beautiful things to see here. And I think when people think of the Southwest, they mostly think desert. And we are in the desert, but there are so many beautiful spots, especially in all those areas that we both mentioned. Mm-hmm. And like the the I love, one of my favorites is the is the Nature Conservancy spot down in Patagonia. And it, you go into another world. You go onto those paths and you don't know that there's a city of a million people, you know, 60 miles mm-hmm. away and mm-hmm. so many beautiful things. And of course, as an environmental educator, my pitch is always... If you care about this planet, if you want to help preserve the planet, which the planet will be fine, if you want to help our place on the planet, get out in nature because to know her is to love her. And it's, I need a fix regularly. Well said. Um, One of my spots is actually Madera Canyon because it's so much cooler. (laughs) And, you know, the wild turkey and the, I mean, it's just, it's just all good. So this question is, there's two questions about challenges that I'd like you to just share with us. Please. Um, you are getting closer to the U.S.-Mexico border. I would think, trying not to be political, that that would be an easier situation than it was, just say, last January. <laughs> but maybe not. So what are some of the challenges and opportunities do you see on the Santa Cruz as you get closer to the U.S.-Mexico border? Are there things that you have to face with that or opportunities? What's your what's your read on that? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, I can say that the, the issues surrounding the Santa Cruz River, particularly as you get closer to the border, are longstanding, both the successes and the challenges. Got it. Okay. You know, for folks who don't know, the, the stretches of the Santa Cruz River that flow perennially, that water is effluent. It's what is goes down the sinks, goes down the toilets, goes down the storm drains. It gets treated to an a exceptionally high level, to the point that when it's released into the water, in into the into the riverbed of the Santa Cruz River, things like the Gila Top Minnow that I just mentioned, uh, that is extremely pollution sensitive. Are are able to survive in there. If that water quality was worse, and it was it was pretty bad recently, uh, you know, as of two thousand nine, two thousand thirteen or so, that's when the upgrades happened. Right. That water was stinky. It was murky, and it had only the most bulletproof, you know, armored uh, non-native species living in it that could that could thrive in that really harsh environment. Now that the water is so much cleaner. Um, these species are able to surprisingly, you know, they surprise us every year with how much farther they've traveled and how many more of them there are. So to answer your question specifically, as you're getting down closer to the border, the water that comes into the Santa Cruz River down there, it is 
that treated wastewater, that effluent, but the vast majority of it comes from uh, Nogales, Sonora. It comes, it's pumped into the U.S. Got it. Through a great big pipeline. Wow. Um, where it is then treated here in the U.S., and it becomes the Santa Cruz River. So without the infrastructure in place in Nogales, Sonora, um, that water, that wastewater's got to go somewhere. So it is through binational treaties, uh, through international cooperation, um, both at the federal and the state level, we have, you know, we have a treaty, we have a plan that allows that water to come across the, you know, come across the border to then ultimately become the Santa Cruz River. What Sonoran Institute is working on, and I'm actively um, working on some studies on this, is to see what can we do, what can we provide infrastructurally to the residents of Nogales, Sonora, that would increase the amount of water that comes across the border um, and create more Santa Cruz River. So how do we provide benefits um, through drinking water, through sewage, uh, to the residents of Nogales, Sonora, that they don't have right now, and a large population doesn't have those. They either have one or the other, and oftentimes neither. So what can we do that could maybe help them out that could then lead to more water coming into the U.S., where it's a mutually beneficial um, project? So that's a challenge and an opportunity in and of itself. It's just such a, when I talk to people like you and Joaquin and others, there's such a passionate vision there for beauty of what could be. And it's it's unbelievable to me. Like when Joaquin says, just imagine, this is how he starts most of his presentations. <laughs> um, you know, boats uh, sailing down the Kranis, you know, you're in your canoe or you're in your kayak. And when you're thinking about that from Tucson, it's quite a stretch. But if you go yep. farther south, you can see it. it isn't at all. Yeah. You see it. You can see it. You see it. And you know that it can be real. And, you know, we're not going to go on talking about this because there's limited time. But <laughs> just if we figured out how to save our stormwater. Right. Remember when we had the R word when it rained and we had monsters? Mm-hmm. <laughs> we, if we could save that, even that alone would help so much to restore it with our groundwater. Right. So this question, it to me, is really important and you probably know the answer. Oh, you set me up. Uh, this is such a setup. Where does the extreme drought that we're going through fit into the vision of what might be of the Santa Cruz? Is it just delaying things and are we going to keep doing are all that we do on any spiritual, physical, whatever level to hope there's more rain this summer? What does it do for this dream that we all want to see come true, if you're in my world anyway? Yeah, well, there is, you know, there is some resiliency that's already cooked into the source of water that comes into the Santa Cruz. People are going to keep flushing the toilet and taking, hopefully shorter, but still taking showers, right? Got it. That water is going to flow. It flows during drought. It flows during rainy times, um, but what we can, what we start to think the, think about though, as is as water becomes increasingly scarce, drinking water, rainwater becomes increasingly scarce. We're going to start to look at what water resources we do have. Yes, and effluent, like I said, this water, yes, this wastewater is treated to a very high level. Um, so, and there are certainly places throughout the world, it's very common, and some in the U.S. where that water is stored underground, you know, and uh, treated and becomes potable water. So the Santa Cruz River, in you know, as it stands now, is quite resilient, but something that uh, many communities are doing are, is looking at their water portfolio holistically. 
not, not treating wastewater and drinking water as entirely separate things. Maybe they're on the same table, but they're in different dishes. Right, right. Right, so... I love that expression. I never heard that. I just made it up for you. It's I'm all yours. I'm going to steal it. <laughs> really, might be on the same table, but in different dishes. And, you know, the thought of drinking effluent water, yep. it was so disgusting to me when I started this, and I had people from the county on the show and they said, Gina, it's purer than the water you're getting out of your tap. Yeah. Trust me. Yeah. And it's a, it's just a mindset. It's a mental thing that I think we all better get used to it because you're right. I didn't think of that, putting that piece together that everybody's still going to you know, flush the toilet and they're going to <laughs> use their whatever. Yep. So Luke, I could go on and on. I really, this is a passion of mine. It's an area that I just am in love with as a Jersey girl transplant and getting to see nature. So I thank you for being here. I thank you for all your work. And I really do hope our paths cross at some point. I have your cell phone number. Oh boy. So I will be calling you to find out where that spot is by Tumacockery. Okay, <laughs> I'll let you know. I don't, I'm thinking, I don't think I've ever been there. So um, thank you for taking the time and for the work you do and for the Sonoran Institute work on all of our behalf. It's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure for me as well. Thank you for the opportunity and uh, look forward to seeing you out there along the river. Keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up.